0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Nine Lives with Dr. Cat is brought to you by Heroes for Healthy Pets. We're passionate about your pet's health and iHeartCats.com.
1: cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prem, and I am a small animal veterinarian and passionate cat lover. So, as a veterinarian, I often hear people who are trying to decide when it is time to say goodbye to an elderly or infirm pet and I personally have had this issue even as a veterinarian of just knowing when it's time. So I invited Dr. Cherie Buisson to be with me here today because she's a hospice veterinarian and so we're going to talk about the five ways to tell when it is time to say goodbye. We'll be right back with Dr. Buisson right after this word from our sponsors. Put on a perfectly possum pet party! Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit pet party accessories. Party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com
1: Welcome back. Dr. Buisson, I'm so excited to have you here with me again. I'm excited to be back. Thanks for inviting me. So kind of recently, I had to let go of an elderly pet, and I really wish that you lived closer to me because I wanted to be mom and not veterinarian for that, and and sort of it inspired this show that I want to talk about, the five ways to tell when it is time to say goodbye.
0: Are you ready? I am totally ready and I'm sorry about your baby and I'm so glad to hear you say that it was hard for you and you wanted to be the mom and not the vet because I feel exactly the same way. I am so bad at this when it's my pet or one of my parents pets. I'm terrible at it. I can walk any family through this but it is really hard for me to do it for my own pets.
1: I agree. However, I think that sometimes that vulnerability or that empathy makes me a better veterinarian. And I can tell my clients, you know what, this hurts me too. So um, I think that each experience makes it better. So I kind of want to look at my experience and reflect on the ways that I maybe could have done it better. So what are some things that All of my cat lovers should be looking for in their cats if they're having that suspicion that they're going to need to make that decision.
0: Okay, so cats are really mysterious. Um, That's part of why we love them. And they hide disease quite well. So people will tell me, oh, you know, he's doing fine. Everything's fine. And I can see on physical exam several things that are actually wrong. So one of the things is just knowing what is normal for your cat. And if anything changes, address it right away because often I will see cats and it's been months and months and months that something has been going on and to the owner it's a very mild change like they're drinking a little bit more, they're urinating a little bit more and in reality they have something really bad going on that needs to be addressed. So I think looking for changes in behavior and that, you know, that's part of that is their appetite, where they're sleeping, whether they're jumping. Um, One of the main signs in pain in cats is inability to jump or not being able to jump as high. So if your cat used to jump straight up on the counter and now they're jumping to the ottoman and then the counter or they're not jumping at all, those are all signs that something is wrong. Not necessarily that it's time for euthanasia, but that something needs to be addressed. So I think knowing what's normal is the most important thing. And then really talking with your veterinarian to address your cat's quality of life. With my patients, what I see most often are changes in appetite, and it's usually due to nausea. And people will say, oh, he's not nauseated. He doesn't vomit. Well, when I don't want to vomit, I don't eat because I know if I put something in my stomach, I'm going to see it again. Cats know that too. And so the first thing they will do is just refuse to eat at all. And that is a, a big sign that something's wrong.
1: So I think that what you're saying is that our cat lovers should be really tuned in to changes. And and you're right. That's not only when you're considering if your fur baby is approaching end of life, that's pretty much any time to to be aware of changes, behavior changes. So we're going to say, all right, the first way to start to know that it could be time is if your cat has behavior changes. And I think what I'm getting from you is the second thing to watch for is appetite changes. So am I on the, on the mark for this? Absolutely. Yep. Those are two of the,
0: the big things that I see most in elderly cats.
1: Okay, so what else? I mean, I have a lot of people ask, you know, how am I going to know? And sort of my answer kind of is I I really think that you'll know. I'm going to give you some guidance. But what about some other hints that it might be getting time for an ill pet? So the next thing is vomiting and diarrhea. So
0: cats do tend to to ward a lot of GI disturbances. And so, you know, we want them to eat, um, but we also need them to keep that food down. It doesn't do us any good if they eat their food and then they bring it back up right after. So making sure that they're able to process their nutrition, they need to be able to eat their food, keep it down, and also not have it come shooting out the other end. So we need to make sure they're absorbing their food. We see a lot of weight loss in the last year of a cat's life. So so intense weight droppage is, is a big clue. And so that vomiting and diarrhea aspect is a big quality of life issue. You know, I'm amazed how many people say, oh, my cat throws up every day. And you can bet if any one of us threw up every day, we'd be at the doctor in a second, but they don't make a big deal out of it. And so neither do we. So that's my next thing is, is making sure that they're getting proper nutrition and not having vomiting and diarrhea. And that's not to say that diarrhea is a reason to put your cat to sleep, but chronic diarrhea where we can't get nutrition into them can lead to a starvation complex. So we want to be careful with
1: that. So there's a soapbox here, and I love soapboxes. But if your cat is vomiting, it is not normal. And I've mentioned this on a lot of episodes for Nine Lives. If your cat is vomiting, there is a reason. So it's just another one of the ways For you to recognize that your cat's quality of life is being impacted don't ignore it and put it on the list so I guess it would be safe to say that third on the list would be vomiting and diarrhea and weight loss am I getting that right correct and one of the things I want to
0: clarify besides the fact that there's no such thing as normal cat vomit I'm so happy to hear you say that is that we want to make sure we understand that weight loss in and of itself is not painful I have a lot of clients who are just panicky about weight loss. Yes, it's very important, and it's often the first sign of disease in cats. But these elderly cats that are just becoming little prunes, you know, weight loss itself isn't painful. Dehydration can be painful. You know, if they're having vomiting and diarrhea, that can be really uncomfortable. But weight loss is something to watch for, but not something to judge, okay, well, he's losing weight, so it's time. That I I avoid. Uh, But usually if they're losing weight, they have some of the other issues as well.
1: So if you recognize these things, I don't think that we, Dr. Brisson and I are saying, if you recognize these things, it's time, it's time. I think what we're saying is all of these things together, plus a communication and relationship with your veterinarian are all hints and clues that you can put together to make the best decisions for your cat. So I would like to talk about maybe some of the other things that you might be seeing in a pet that is dealing with chronic and life-threatening type disease process. So what other things do you think need to be monitored?
0: I think with cats especially, anxiety is an issue, and that can manifest in a number of different ways. Again, changes in behavior. Um, But these cats that are up yowling at night, there are a few things that can cause that high blood pressure and kidney disease and thyroid disease. There are a number of things, but also anxiety and pain. Pain and anxiety are both worse at night. And so they're going to yowl and fuss at night. Also, they're going to feel vulnerable. So if there are other cats or other, animals hanging out around the house, they may feel like it's necessary to make a lot of noise and declare their territory to try to keep them away because they're feeling like they're weak and like they're vulnerable. So any signs of anxiety, you know, if your cat is suddenly nipping at you or running from you or hiding from you, those are all things also to address.
1: And again, just because your cat is anxious doesn't mean that nothing can be done. But it is certainly something that impacts quality of life and needs to be discussed with your veterinarian, whether or not it's your regular veterinarian or your hospice veterinarian. I really think we cannot underscore that enough.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And things may be treatable. You know, if they have vomiting or diarrhea, we have medications for that. But one of the things we need to consider is if you have to, you know, and Dr. Prim is the perfect person to talk to about this, but if you're wrestling your cat to the ground to get medicine in them, or you're chasing them around the house, those impact quality of life too. We want the bond between you and your pet to be preserved. And so anything that breaks that bond, we need to reconsider. And sometimes cats just say no to medication, and we have lots of ways we can medicate. We can give them gel in their ear, liquid in their mouth. We can have it compounded into treats. We can get pills. A lot of cats are actually better for injections than oral medications. But if we're getting to a point where your cat doesn't want to be with you because they're afraid you're going to do something to them, that is a big sign that maybe we need to consider that it might be time. If we can't keep their symptoms resolved and make them still where they love us and want to be around us, that is a big indicator.
1: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I had a cat named Coyote once and Coyote was unfortunately symptomatic for feline hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which of course was a progressive cardiac issue as a fairly young middle-aged cat. And I had to give him medicine and I had to give him medicine a lot. And I discovered methods to give him medicine where he never knew he was getting medicine and it kind of revolutionized the way I practice. That cat lived as long as he could live with a significant cardiac issue. And he loved me and I loved him. And so I use that to advise my clients. So I'm 100% with you on that. Let's make this doable. I don't want a wrestling match uh, in your cat's last days. Exactly. And they're frail in their last days.
0: So if you consider if you took your 90 year old grandmother and threw her on the ground and held her down and pried her mouth open and shoved something down her throat, I'm betting she would be sore for several days from that. So if you're doing it two and three times a day, that can be just miserable. And every cat is different. I have my own cat, Bailey, who I got after she was a kitten, so she was not well socialized. And I have never been able to handle her well. And so we have come to an understanding that if she gets a disease where we're going to have to you know, fight about medication then I'm going to let her go sooner rather than later because I know she would hate that. And a huge part of quality of life is having you know, your autonomy and being able to say no. And so there are ways around kitties who don't want meds. I have certain meds I know I can mix in her food. I can kind of put one of her cat beds over her when she snuggled in her box and give her injections really quick. She doesn't like it, but we've reached an understanding that she's going to allow that and that's that's okay. But to get a pill in her mouth would never happen. And I'm a trained veterinary professional. So we understand that sometimes your cats are not going to allow you to medicate them. Please be upfront about that. Don't take the medication home and just not give it because you're embarrassed or you're afraid your vet's going to be mad at you. It's okay. We understand because some of us have pets that are difficult too.
1: I think that veterinary medicine has kind of come a long way, actually, during the long time that I've been a veterinarian. That's kind of changed a little bit. And I, I think we're working with cats instead of against cats when it comes to medication these days.
0: Absolutely. It's been wonderful to see because we really didn't have a whole lot of options in the past. And now, now we really do. And, and honestly, cats' lives have been saved because of things like compounding pharmacies and companies that put flavoring in the food that makes it at least a little bit palatable to cats.
1: Cats' lives and cats' and owner's sanity have both been spared, I think. (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay, so I want to tell you about something really cool that I have discovered, and it's called Pretty Litter Cat Litter. Now, you might think that cat litter is not really something to get excited about, but I'm a veterinarian, so gross things tend to excite me. Now, the cool thing about Pretty Litter, though, is that it has a built-in health monitoring system, so it changes colors and kind of helps you keep tabs on your cat's urinary health so that you know when it's time to call your own veterinarian. Other things about it that are super cool is that it's lightweight. The whole entire bag only weighs four pounds, and it lasts for an entire month for one cat. So no more dragging these 20 or 30 pound bags of cat litter and buying them every time you're at the store. Pretty Litter is delivered straight to your door every month with free shipping. So it's pretty convenient, it helps keep your cat healthy, and it's easy for you to carry around. The best part about Pretty Litter, though, is if you go to prettylittercats.com and you enter the code 9LIVES, N-I-N-E-L-I-V-E-S, you can get 20% off of your first subscription order. So go and give it a try and tell me what you think. So just kind of a quick review, my cat lovers are watching for changes, behavioral changes, appetite changes, gastrointestinal symptoms are something that you see and manage in your patients and they can be the kind of the sticking point over some decision making as well as anxiety and pain. So how many times have you heard, or I know I have, have you heard someone say, I just don't want her to be in pain?
0: All the time, and then I also hear, "Well, she's limping, but she's not in pain." Um, (laughs) Me too. (laughs) All the time, pain. You can bet that if your cat is 12 years old or older, that doesn't exclude younger cats. But if your cat is 12 years old or older, they have arthritis in at least one joint, and arthritis hurts. So that's not to say that they have pain that's so bad they need to be euthanized, but they have pain that's bad enough that it needs to be addressed. And so I, you know, again, if they're jumping up on things and running around, that's fine. But we need to watch for subtle changes because animals don't complain. They don't cry. I use that hashtag all the time on Instagram, don't have to cry to hurt. But they will subtly change what they are doing. And it happens so gradually that owners often don't notice. And so we really need to be on top of it with our kitties and hatch it early so that we can keep them comfortable.
1: And veterinarians are trained in this, and we're trained about certain diseases that are statistically known to be painful, and that is advice that you can expect from your relationship with your veterinarian. Hey, hey, doc, you know, is she feeling pain and I just don't know it? That's something I would encourage everyone to do and ask.
0: Yes, absolutely. And if you notice your cat grooming a particular spot, like their belly, if they're grooming it over and over again, that can be allergies and all kinds of things, but I've seen that They form a perfect, beautiful little naked circle right over their bladder when their bladder hurts. They will lick a joint over and over again because they can't grab it and hold on to it like we do when it aches. So they'll just lick it again and again and again. So their signs are so subtle and that's what makes them fascinating. But unfortunately, it works against them when they're trying to communicate with humans that they hurt.
1: Right, right. So we have to speak cat ease, so to speak. <laughs> so I feel like this last way to know when it might be time to say goodbye is really the most important. And that you said was family interaction and family dynamic. Can you go into that a little bit? Sure. So there's
0: two, two components to this. Well, there's a bunch, but but my two main, the family dynamic. So when I talk about the family dynamic, it's the relationship of the family unit, not just the relationship between the owner and the pet, but the relationship between the owner and the other owners or the other people who live in the home. So what I'll often see is that there's one owner who is an intense caretaker and they are at odds with their family over whether it's time to euthanize their pet. And so that dynamic, if there's fighting going on, if there's a lot of slamming doors and stomping around, that's not healthy for the patient either. Also, if there are family members who aren't getting sleep, sleep deprivation is a form of torture. And so I've met clients that haven't had a good night's sleep in years because they're up with their pets or, or something's going on or their cats yowling all night. And that is not good for anyone. And again, it breaks the bond between us and our pets and sometimes between us and our other family members who we're going to need when that pet finally passes. So that family dynamic we need to watch out for. And that goes along with also pilling your pet and making them hate you because you're doing so much to them. And then the pet interactions, if your pet doesn't love you anymore. You know, they don't want to be around you. Sometimes that's disease driven. My own dog, I'm going to say the D word on your cat show, but my own dog got cognitive dysfunction, which is a you know doggy Alzheimer's. And he got to a point where he didn't want me to touch him anymore. And that was so painful for me. And once I, I euthanized him, I realized I should have done it far sooner because I let that bond break and I let us get to where we didn't like each other very much anymore. Um, And I actually wrote an article about it because it upset me so badly that we had our bond broken. And that's what your veterinarian is here to help you with, is to, to talk you through these things. And there's no reason that we have to wait until they're suffering horribly to let them go. It's okay to do it sooner rather than later, because it's not, there is no perfect time. If someone says, you, you'll know when it's time, yes, kind of, um, you'll know when it's getting to be time, but there is no, you know, Thursday at two o'clock is going to be the perfect time. That doesn't happen for anyone. And I'm well trained in this area of veterinary medicine, and I'm not even good at it with my pets. So we need to let go of that whole aiming for the perfect time. This is stressful enough without you guys trying to reach some unattainable goal.
1: Okay. So I have to make a confession. The most recent pet that I lost, I think I waited too long and I know better. And you're saying kind of the same thing. And I wouldn't say we're encouraging people to euthanize if they're not ready, if they haven't walked through their steps. But if you think it's time, it's probably time. I waited too long and I cried and cried and cried because I realized I waited too long. And so if you think it's time, do you agree with that? Oh, 100 percent. And again, you know, waiting
0: too long is subjective. And there isn't it isn't a matter of if you have good hospice care, if you are addressing your pet's quality of life issues, you can actually take them through a natural passing. You know, I don't encourage that necessarily. If that's something a client wants to do, I will work with them through it. But it requires intensive hospice care and making sure you have absolutely everything you need in case of a crisis. But the whole, you know, I waited too long. Everyone feels like they waited too long. I have never met a single person who says, oh, I did it too soon. It was way too soon and I shouldn't have. Um, in fact, But everybody's
1: afraid they're going to do it too soon. I think yes. I know I was. Yes. And one of the things that helped me, so here's how
0: I deal with putting my own pets down. I talk to myself like I am a client because that's what I know how to do. So I put on my doctor hospice hat and I say, okay, you know, what are our quality of life issues? And I counsel myself in my head like I'm a client. And with my dog, what I, what I did was I said, what is he going to be missing if he's not here tomorrow? And I made a list of what bad things he'd be missing, the pacing, the wandering, the not wanting to be touched, the going to the bathroom in the house when he knows he's not supposed to do that. And it upset him, obviously. And when it came down to it, the only thing he was going to be missing tomorrow if he wasn't here was two bowls of food. (laughs) And I went, oh, my gosh, you know, I've let this go on too long. And it's okay. You know, it really is okay. There isn't a such thing as, you know, as too long. It's just, you know, we realize how much they've been distressed when when we finally pull ourselves out of the situation. But it is very hard to make that call with someone that you live with every day and someone that you care about. So that's why you need your veterinarian to help to guide you. And certainly if you feel like your pet's not ready and your veterinarian is saying that they are, a second opinion is always a good idea. It's always good to find out if someone else feels the same way. And I would also recommend grief counseling. There are online and in-person resources and on-the-phone resources that you can use to have somebody help you walk through. This is really, really hard to do. And it's not something we're used to. So don't feel like you have to go through it alone. There are plenty of resources to help you make this call.
1: Well, I agree. And I've had, you know, I have a a Facebook page that's public and I have people reach out to me with questions about that. And I'm sure that you do as well. and, And I welcome that because I've been there and I don't want anyone to feel like they're alone in making these hard decisions. And that's why I do this show. So I'm glad you pointed that out.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's not something anyone should have to do. When I, I'm i faced with this decision, I often call my colleagues. And you know, I have a good friend who's a veterinarian that I, I call in a panic and go, Oh, my gosh, please tell me I'm, I'm doing the right thing. And they kind of they don't laugh at me. But they cut they, they're like, you're the expert in this, like, we're not certified hospice vets. Why are you asking us? And it's because I'm the mom, you know, at that moment, I don't want to be the doctor. I want to be the mom and I want somebody to help me and advise me. So even veterinarians have to reach out to other people to ask for advice and help. So please don't feel like that makes you less of a person or less strong. It takes a lot of guts to ask for help.
1: I agree. So, so we've kind of been over some important things to sort of watch for. I think that your tip about making a list, that's amazing. I'm going to do that for myself of, of what is he going to miss if he's not here? And if the things on the list are bad more than good, that might tell you that might help. So that's a great tip. Thank you.
0: You are very welcome. That, that was a, a moment of horrible desperation on my part. And I came up with that and thought, oh, I gotta, I've got to use this for my clients. So it definitely helped me. And it was just something I stumbled upon while I was sitting on a chair crying my eyes out trying to make, make the call for one of my own pets.
1: So maybe we should work together and make a little template or something that we can share so that people can just go there and look at that. I think that that would be helpful. I, I, I think, would love that. Let's do that. I'm, I'm do all it. about that. So the, the answer is there are lots of things to watch for and look for, anxiety changes, behavior changes, whether or not your family is kind of in turmoil about this decision. And the thing I think is most important is that there's no perfect time. And I'm glad that you, you brought that up. Yep. No perfect time.
0: There's a zone between too early and too late. And it's a very gray area. And even the terms too early and too late are extremely subjective. And so that's why we need help. And most of the time, by the time a client contacts me, probably 99% of the time, we're already in the zone because clients don't want to start thinking about this till they absolutely have to. So if they're in the zone, then any time is okay. And I tell them also, you know, your pet doesn't have a novel to finish reading or writing. They don't have grandkids they need to see one last time. They don't have all of these things that people have. And so they just live in the moment. So look at what their day looks like. And if their day is just kind of they get through it and there's no joy in it, then that's a good signal that maybe you need to start talking to your veterinarian and your family about when it's time.
1: Well, I think that that is an excellent place to kind of wrap up. I want you to tell all of my listeners how they can find you to learn more about hospice care and end of life issues and just you and all the cool stuff that you do. So you can find me at Helping Hands Pet Hospice. Uh, we have
0: a webpage. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram. And you're welcome to contact me if you have questions. I can't give you specific medical advice about your, your pet if I've never seen them. But we can certainly talk in, in generalities. And that's how I help most of my clients. Because most of my clients call me for the first time when they think it's time for euthanasia. So I'm happy to talk and offer you resources And you're welcome to come on and and take a look at what we're doing over at Helping Hands.
1: Well, I am so grateful that you came. I'm excited that we're going to work together for some resources for pet lovers to have during these Awful times that you and I have both been through. Also, I want to thank all my listeners for being faithful and always following and listening and wanting to learn about how to take better care of their cats. And my amazing producer, Mark Winter, and for joining us on Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I want everybody to go out and have a perfect day.
0: Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.